the growing problem of light pollution. I'm Tanya Hall and joining me is Dr. Jeffrey Hall, director of the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona. Welcome back, Jeffrey. Hi, Tanya, nice to be back. Give us a brief summary of your astronomy background and your involvement with the Dark Sky Initiatives. Um, sure. Uh, I, I came to Lowell in 1992 as a postdoc. My training is in optical spectroscopy, and my research interests focus on the solar activity cycle and the cycles of stars like the sun. We're trying to understand the astrophysics of the sun and stars, as well as lend a little bit of an astronomical perspective to solar influences on terrestrial climate. But since 2012, I've gotten very much into dark sky preservation efforts around Arizona, as well as in Flagstaff. And presently, I'm the chair of the American Astronomical Society's Standing Committee on Light Pollution, Radio Interference, and Space Debris. Describe the physical location of the Lowell Observatory and how increasing light pollution interferes with, with the research you conduct. Yeah, Lowell is in Flagstaff, Arizona, which uh, when you think of Arizona, you think rocks and cactus, but we're up in the high country at an elevation of 7,200 feet in a cool Ponderosa forest as we're speaking today. It's about 75 degrees and about 10% humidity, which is pretty close to heaven on earth, you know. Um, but you know, light pollution is an increasing issue, um, particularly around the major metro areas in Arizona. That would be Phoenix and Tucson. Um, we are fairly remote from those areas, so we're not severely impacted, but you can definitely see the light domes. Now, Flagstaff has uh, the world's most comprehensive dark sky protection uh, in place, and that is, that is because between Lowell and the United States Naval Observatory and the U.S. Geological Survey, we've got a quarter billion dollars worth of astronomy assets right on the city limits, and the city has been very uh, proactive and very progressive in helping preserve the, the quality of the night sky and our ability to carry out our mission. Tell us about your background and what light pollution causes everyday earthlings to miss. Right. Um, so, you know, I, the last time I was on the show, we were talking about satellite constellations and a, a big change in the sky from space. We're at a watershed moment on the ground, too, as all around the world, communities are switching from legacy gas discharge systems like high pressure sodium, low pressure sodium to LED. And there are good reasons to do that. There are compelling reasons to use LEDs for outdoor lighting applications, both for lifetime uh, efficiency, um, but um, they can be very bad for dark skies. Um, lumen for lumen, the typical white LED will more than double the sky glow over a city relative to high pressure sodium. And high pressure sodium is what you see all over the place. You know, if you take a, a commercial flight at night and you see those straw yellow colors of the, the city's glow, that's high pressure sodium. And the switch to LED threatens to double that. And right now we've gotten to a point where 75 to 80% of residents of the United States live where you can no longer see the Milky Way. And that's really a pity. And that's what we're seeing in the background behind you, Ryan. Um, so you're seeing an example of good outdoor lighting. Um, so this is our new uh, public observatory, the Giovanni Open Deck Observatory. We opened it a year ago. It was phenomenally successful. This telescope suite here is a suite of six telescopes. Uh, it's, as far as I know, just about the best suite in the world for public observing. And then of course, COVID hit and we had to ramp everything down. But what you can see 
um, particularly in the, the amber colors. Let's see, I have to do this backwards. Right over in here, we're using amber LEDs. So this is a model of the kind of LED lighting that is much more dark sky friendly. Is there a financial ROI in, in minimizing light pollution? I mean, how do we get the attention uh, of business leaders and, and maybe government officials to, to get them moving? Yeah, that's, that's a good question uh, with multiple parameters to it. Um, as an example, um, Tucson, Arizona, uh, switched its lighting out to white LEDs, um, and which you might think would be very bad for the sky glow, but they also lowered their overall lumen budget in their street lighting system from 480 million to about 180 million. So they greatly cut down the amount of light being generated. And, you know, every, every lumen you generate costs money. So one of the advantages to LEDs is you can point them, uh, you can direct them exactly where you want to go, and you can reduce your lumen budget, but that's not what a lot of people do. Usually, if there's X amount of lumens in a city of high pressure sodium, they'll just replace them with X amount of white LED. And that dramatically increases the sky glow. You don't need to do that. Um, if you're gonna use white LEDs, you can use a lot less light. Even better, um, there are amber LEDs that have a much narrower spectral emission and much less of the blue content that makes white LEDs so ruinous for night skies. They're not really well known. Um, we're modeling a couple of them back here. One of those amber LEDs is not so efficient. The narrow band ambers, which are really the best for dark skies, they're a little more expensive to operate, but there's a type of amber LED coming to market called phosphor converted amber that is just about as, as efficient as the white LEDs. So it's a very cost-effective solution for communities that really want to preserve dark skies. What do everyday earthlings miss in the night sky because of light pollution? Yeah, you miss these glorious sights that have been the source of stories and mythology and, and you know, wayfinding and calendar keeping since our earliest ancestors. You know, the stars chart out the, the rhythm of the year and, and not only humans, but numerous species of animals use the stars for reproduction, for navigation, for migration. Um, disruption of the natural night day cycle um, interferes with all of these natural processes. And there's actually a lot of evidence now that the blue rich content of white LEDs disrupts human circadian rhythms. And increasingly convincing evidence of the disruption of the day-night cycle with increased rates of certain kinds of diseases, including various types of cancers. What are some actions that individuals can take to reduce light pollution caused by their homes or, or even small businesses? So there's one that's, that's the simplest imaginable and any community can do it, which is shield the lights. Just use light fixtures that are fully shielded. We call that full cutoff shielding. Um, you can do that with regular bulb lights. You can do that with LEDs. The basic rule of thumb is no light is emitted above the horizontal. And you've all seen this in, in any community, these decorative lights, which are just glowing bulbs and half the light is going up. You know, it's not doing any good at all. Shielded light, if, if shielded light were used universally, it would actually solve about half the problem. It's, it's, it would be a major contributor. So it's a very simple thing anybody can do. Um, people who are really dedicated can look for these types of narrow spectrum 
amber lights, which are commercially available. You can find phosphor converted amber LED commercially now for residential use. And that combined with shielding would have a dramatic impact on the quality of the skies worldwide. And finally, you know, the, the, the place to start is um, with community advocacy. I would recommend everybody check out the website of the International Dark Sky Association. Um, the, the International Dark Sky Places Program, which Flagstaff was the very first of those communities in 2001 that was awarded that status. It shows how you can establish a community precedent for dark sky preservation. Um, and the beauty of it is you don't have to be it, have a dark sky. You're, you're in Austin, as I understand, it's a fairly large city. Austin could be a dark sky community. You don't have to have a dark sky, you just have to have a commitment as a community to using good lighting practice and the dark skies will follow. Dr. Jeffrey Hall, director of the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona. Thanks again for sh shedding some light, if you will, on this issue or, or, or the opposite. If somebody wants to, to find out more about your work or maybe connect with you personally, how can they do that? Um, so you can connect with Lowell Observatory and all our programs at lowell.edu. You can find me on Facebook at Jeffrey Hall Lowell Observatory and Jeffrey C. Hall on Twitter. And thanks again for your time, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Of course. And find more of my interviews right here or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.